Welcome to the Bull, the Bear, and my brother's chair. I'm Nate Lucius, joined by Mr. Brian Lucius. Nate, big season finale show. Season finale. You know, I've got to be honest with you. Going into the podcast, I, I listened to some podcasts, but I didn't really realize that much like a TV show, there was a season finale. So I, it's just news to me. I like it, but it's it's. I didn't know that coming in. I didn't either. And I've, I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast like where I've been in the middle of season four. Right. Like if I listen to one, I'm just starting from scratch and there's an endless amount of them. And so if you're listening to this one, you're, you're probably feel like I did right now on the season finale of Ozark where you're like, oh man, what am I going to do with my life for the next three I months? I thought you were going to say The Bachelorette. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, Ozark works too. <laughs> no, but it's uh, we had a, had a good run at it. It's been it's been a lot of fun. We've had some really solid guests on here, so I hope everybody's enjoyed uh, some of the takeaways, and hopefully you've added them to your life or or your business. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll restart back up. We have to consult our our podcast team. Like I've said before, you may or may not know this, but there are quite a few people that help us put this on from a design aspect and social media and guests and certainly technical setup. Shout out to Mitchell. Yes. It's like, <laughs> is this like giving a shout out to the band when yeah, you're on exactly. stage? <laughs> I always wanted through. to do that. <laughs> so uh, we had a lot of people help us. So they're going to tell us when our next season's coming, but either way we're ready for it. So Who, season who's our final time. guest of the season? Final guest is none other than Chuck Lucius, who you may know as our father, who some in the building may know as the chairman which is uh, yep. his nickname and uh, you know, certainly is uh, mine and Nate's dad and a, not only a father to us, but a mentor to us. He uh, has built with uh, uh, co-founder, his wife, Tammy Lucius also, and they have built uh, gradient to what it is today. We just recently celebrated our 15 year anniversary. 15 years. So we're going to have him talk a little about uh, business and growing a, a real business and probably use a few of his, uh, one-liners that he's taught me and have him explain a few of those to our to our listeners but he's our guest and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about him at the end of this and year we'd be, yeah we'd be remiss if we didn't we didn't give you some non-business aspects of uh of our dad or the chairman so we'll <clears throat> we'll get to that here shortly yeah first we need to recap last show we talked about little things you can do to make a difference in somebody's life yeah. to brighten their lives and we were all tasked and so our viewers and we got some good emails in on people that had we reached did. out to people and either bought them something or called a manager and told them what a great job an employee did or a couple of different ones that we got in. Uh, did you have any that were sent directly to you? Yeah, I have one from one of our uh, folks on the uh, a VP on the annuity side, uh, Mr. Jay Guerin. Got to give him some credit. Oh, yeah. Jay listened to it and he said, hey, guys, that was great. And he's got two. Well, he's got four boys, right? Four boys, yep. Two older ones that are in high school age, uh, both very good baseball players. And he sent me an email and said, hey, I had, I listened to it. I thought it was great. And I told both my boys, here's what I'd like you to do. I didn't force you to do it, but here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to find two coaches from your past life that have helped you to get to where you are. And you call them and you thank them. And he said it was probably uncomfortable for them to do, <laughs> but they did it. And they loved it. And to me, that's the cool part is like a coach, right? You get paid absolutely zero to coach youth baseball. In fact, mm -hmm. my son just started T-ball, so yeah. I can appreciate it. But anyway, he said he they called him, said, thank you. I appreciate it. They caught up on where they're at in their baseball life and, and all was good. So it's pretty cool to hear. You think about that from teachers and coaches and, you know, how many, how many kids have rolled through 
Benilde St. Margaret since I went there. If I were to call a teacher 22 years later and say, hey, you probably don't remember me from Adam, but you changed my life somehow. Like that's a pretty They'd cool They'd probably say, oh, I remember you. <laughs> it's possible. Some, some definitely will. Um, so the one that uh, I did, I'll do one that I did personally is, and this isn't, again, I, I haven't gotten paid any sponsorship money, but I'm certainly open to it if they want to give <laughs> me something. But uh, I don't know if you have discount tire around where any of you live, but yeah. all they do is tires. I wish they did more because their customer service is always spot on. They're quick. They're efficient. Their uh, costs are right all the time. Like There's just no arguing over the tires, and they, they go on in a minute. Well, they had uh, I had brought a car in <clears throat> that I didn't buy the tires from them on. It was my wife's car, and the tires were just bought with the vehicle. And it had a hole in it. And I just brought it in because they're quick. And I said, hey, can you fix this? And they said, yeah. And they said, did you buy the tires here? And I said, no, I didn't. But I said, it's, that's, that's okay. I'll pay you whatever it is for it. Because I think if you buy them there, they're free. So they fix it. The guy hands me the keys and says, no charge. Just next time you buy tires, buy them from me. And I said, this sounds fair enough. And so I called their store manager on the way home and asked, you know, is your manager there? And the front desk guy's like, uh, yeah, I'll grab them. Thinking, oh, crap, what's this guy want? manager answers. And I just said, every time I come in there, your people treat people extremely good. You guys are efficient. Your costs are in line. You guys do a fantastic job. And he just kind of paused and said, huh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good thing to, uh, to get a call like that. If you ever managed people in your life, those usually aren't the calls that, that, uh, follow after, can I speak with your manager? Yeah. Let's talk uh, a little <clears throat> bullish or bearish. Perfect. Uh, bullish, bearish. I'm going to go bullish on, I had this conversation with somebody the other day of how the pandemic, coronavirus, whatever we want to call it, has hit the reset button on kind of what's important in life for, I think, many people out there. And, you know, it comes at diff- different aspects, but I certainly think from a, from a time element you know, I have little kids, they're nine, six, and three. And I don't even know what we used to do before the pandemic, but we'd go to the mall or go kill time at the zoo or go do whatever. I mean, we'd always be together as a family, but when those things got closed down, our weekends have really been freed up to just literally spend time as a family. And I think it's been a really, really good thing. Like I've really enjoyed it. And you just you get in the habit of rush, 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 and do, 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 and do all these things that you really never just stop and slow down. And like I said, I don't even know what we did with our time, but I really enjoy the amount of free time that I have now. Yeah. And I think it's also going to, and already has impacted, let's call it the housing market. I'm not talking housing prices and all of that. I'm just saying people that I know, especially in my neighborhood, have spent, I've got a couple of friends and neighbors that are putting in pools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the pool industry's done I've well. I've got you know, people that new decks, new patios, new, I think you just went through a little housing renovation too, <laughs> I, right? So a little kitchen work done. Yeah. Little, you went with the white, I did, white I did. Uh, cabinets, which is very in style right now. Yep. And I did say to my wife, I said, I can't wait till somebody walks through this house 15 years from now and says, oh my goodness, it's got all that 2020 <laughs> white in it. <laughs> so I, I'm bullish on that as well. And just from a, just for pure home, people are spending money on stuff you like to do at home, making their homes nicer, making things easier for family and not running around as much, wasting, not wasting, but, you know, spending time and energy on things that create some havoc in our lives that 
at the end of the day, really aren't that important. I think from the money aspect too, I mean, I don't know about you, but my spending is down from what it used to be because on those days you'd go to the mall, you'd be out, you'd go to lunch, you'd be in a mall, you'd buy a a couple of things that you definitely didn't need in your life. And so you, you have more money and again, figuring out what's important and where you're spending time, I think has reset people. Maybe if you were a family that went out to eat all the time, you've now gotten in more of a groove of eating at home and you're not going to go do that same type of spending. So I just, I've really enjoyed kind of the reset and focus that this whole thing has put on life. Yeah. And we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. I was talking to my wife the other night about, you know, my daughter's six, almost seven. My son is four, technically four and a half in, let's say three years from now, if he will even remember this. And I don't think he will. I think my daughter will because she's old enough, but Mm -hmm. it'd just be interesting to see if people in general, you know, we talk about taking for granted things. If hopefully we take something out of this and three years from now, everybody just doesn't forget about, you know, what, what we've been through and what we had before, what we're dealing with now. And then after this is all passed at some point. For sure. And I definitely think, you know, not only life has changed from a personal aspect, but I think life has definitely changed from business aspects. I think businesses have been shoved into a technology age if they weren't. I think people are more efficient in what they're doing. I think that the world has, unfortunately, the way that it did it has taken several steps forward. So that's, that's my bullish for the day. Yeah, no, I like it. So let's let's transition before we bring our guest on. Uh, as you mentioned, our a dad behind the scenes. Yeah, the chairman. <laughs> so let's not talk about you know gradient or business or whatever. Okay. Let's talk for a minute about some of the things that you know we spend a fair amount of time with them, whether it's going to lunch or hanging out or whatever it is. Some of the things that our viewers, listeners, may not know okay. about the chairman. <clears throat> okay. Okay. I'll take the first one. Go ahead. Uh, some people know this, but some don't, is he is a pilot. And he uh, was in the Air Force uh, back when he was 18, 19, whatever age yeah, that was. So yep. uh, I'm going to say that was, let's just say north of 40 years ago. Yes. So he's been a pilot, an active pilot for 40 years and uh, flew C-130s, which are the big cargo planes right. back in the Air Force. And uh, bought his, I can't remember when he bought his first airplane. I was young. I, I think he bought it. I think he told me, I was born in 1983. And he okay. bought it just before, just after I was born. So it's 1983. So that's uh, 37 years. Oh man, we're getting old too. Yeah, I'm just turned 37. <clears throat> so, so that's well, about it. And I'm three years older than Nate. So I, I he's had one since I can remember. But you know, <clears throat> if you think, and maybe some of you are small aircraft pilots, but if you think owning a plane is, I don't know what you think of it, but on your first plane, when you're a young person and you buy a Cessna or a Bonanza or some of these little ones, have you ever had, you've had the experience of riding in one? Oh, lots. Even, yeah. It's different than riding in Delta. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he used to go out and if you're a pilot, you enjoy it. And so you got to practice and you like it. And I remember going out with him when I was little and one, I had motion sick. But two, anybody can get motion sick in those things because they they bounce. And when they bounce, they don't rattle like Delta. They bounce from kind of side to side and they come in funny. And I I can still in my mind, airplanes like that have a certain smell to them. And I don't know what it is, but if I smell that, it brings me right back (laughs) to me terrified, wanting to puke. As yeah, a and it's, it's almost like if you're going to fly from in a small airplane like that from Minnesota to 
Dallas. You don't just get in the airplane, cruise it up to 30,000 feet and go. No. You're up to about you know, 8 or 10 or 15, depending upon what the airplane's set up to do. But you go from Minnesota, Minneapolis, you land in Des Moines, <laughs> you refuel, and then you land in somewhere, and then you land in Dallas. So it's kind of like taking a road trip in a car. <laughs> it I mean, definitely it's is. quicker a little bit, but by the time you're messing around, it's very similar to you know taking a road trip. I remember he has a, a different plane now that can get you where you need to be faster, but I remember probably 10 years ago, he had a twin-engine propeller plane, and we took it out to Las Vegas. And I think it took six or seven yeah. hours to get out there. And man, it was a long haul. It was like driving to yep. Chicago. Only you sat in this airplane for six you hours. You got to fly around Windy storms and, and bumpy. And yeah, yeah it was, uh, it was an experience. And yeah. So still a big passion of his and something that we all enjoy doing, but uh, I've got a number two. What's that? Little known fact. He used to own Dairy Queens. Yes. Okay. And and I, I think it was three or four, maybe. Is that where, back, he, made, maybe, is that where he made all his money? Um. So <laughs> funny about that is, you know, you, you look at people who own any small business, you're like, wow, they must. So he owned Dairy Queens and, and he was fully employed and, and doing well, but he owned Dairy Queens kind of on the side. And he used to joke and he'd say every owner management meeting we would have, he's like, you better not forget your checkbook <laughs> because you'd be opening your checkbook to write a check to, to fund it. And so- it wasn't, uh, it sounds great, own a bu- and I think if you own a bunch of them and own them in the right, but it wasn't like his full-time 100. thing. So ultimately, he ended up selling them, and it wasn't uh, wasn't the best investment of his life, but hey, owning Dairy Queens, essentially you own you own Blizzard machines. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> so that was 20, you know, 20 to 30 years ago, owning Dairy and Queens. And he hasn't bought any, uh, any fast food chain since. No, he's anti-restaurant <laughs> purchasing, definitely. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the third one. <clears throat> and this one might have a couple of stories. And for, for some of you who know him well, you have been on these missions. Mm. He is a constant shopper of things and he always needs a project. And that project can be something here in business, which he always has something like that running, <clears throat> but he always needs an outside project and it can be remodeling a house. It can be working on a new building it can be several things, but he's constantly on the move for shopping for things. Could yep. be a car, a project car. He's got a current one, and this takes us back. I mean, between Brian and I, we've probably looked at hundreds of RVs over, yes. over the last 30, 40 years. Never bought one. Never purchased an RV. And he'd look at one that was 10000 and one that was 200000 mm-hmm. And yeah. every time, and this is typical, every time you're with the sales guy, like that sales guy thinks, he has got a sale today and it's happening. Oh yeah. And he's looked at hundreds of them. And so he finally bought an RV maybe two, three months ago. Yes. And he bought a 2003. Yes. What's it called? Bounder. A bounder. A 2000, yeah. look it up. A 2003 <laughs> bounder. And he searched for it and he found a, a guy who probably like most RV owners never really used it. <laughs> and he that. made a purchase. And like most things he does, he said, I purchased it right. I got a good deal. <laughs> Subsequently, now he's redoing this RV and he didn't pay a lot for it. And he's putting new flooring and new, like, he's basically gutting this RV. Oh, yeah. Yes. And the funny thing is, is that RV being 17 years old, I told him, we, we got to the point where we shopped for these things and other things too. So many times that he'll be like, let's stop and look at RVs. And me and Nate will be like, nope, we're not doing <laughs> it. 
but I told him that he bought the very motor home that I swear we looked at 17 years ago totally. in 2003, but that is his current yep. passion project. So it just shows the the breadth of what he's willing maybe to do. Maybe when you have him on, you can ask, well, what are you going to do with it? And I'm not sure that he's there yet. Don't paint but, him in a corner right. on that either. So anyway, the RV is one. I would say in general, as we talked a little bit, shopping for things. Yes. Whenever he's going to buy something, okay, let's say it's a car and it's listed at $29,000. Mm-hmm. His first response is what? Seems high. Seems high. <laughs> and he'll, he'll tell the person that, geez, this price seems high. And so regardless what of what it is, <laughs> Even if it's priced right, seems high. There's a buying, buying strategy for you. Yep. And he generally buys things right. Um, but then when it comes to selling things, how does it operate? He has a different view on, and this is probably like most people. I think I'm <laughs> somewhat the same way as true. If I have that car and you have that car, my stuff is worth more than what you think it is. Correct. But your stuff is worth way less than what totally. you think it is. And so he'll he'll walk into something like that knowing that it seems high and I'd buy it if I can get a good deal, he'll sometimes he'll lowball an offer not thinking that the person would accept it. And unbeknownst to him, they accept it. And he does have a, a pretty good stance on he never goes back yep. on his offer and a deal. If I offered and you accepted, I got to take it. And yep. so we'll, well, I'll get a couple of those from him on the podcast of some of his yeah. Accidental. accidental a couple of, couple of things. He's got a, I don't know, what year is that Cadillac? 1960 something? 67. He was in high school. It, it was, was like the it car. It was the car that he would have bought if he could have picked a car yep. out when he was a senior in high school. Yep. It and, he's, and it's still in his garage. Seafoam green. And I haven't seen it out on the road too much. It might <laughs> be leaking. But anyway, oil. he's got that. He's got a whole bunch of snowmobiles for the last 30 years yep. that he owns. He's got snowmobiles. Um, if, if he, there's that show called Garage, I think it's Garage Logic, and they say you, you measure your life by the amount of pistons you have. Yes. I would put him in the running for the, the yeah. being the end, the being the champion of that. Yep. Game. Snowmobiles, motorcycles. Um, he likes toys. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's uh, th- that's something that the chairman is, is well known for. And, and Brian said, if you ever have been with him, he'll say, hey, let, let's stop in this dealership real quick. Mm-hmm. I was with him. This is funny i was with him in florida maybe 15 years ago or so and he was down there for a bit and he and i went down and he said hey let's let's go in this dealership i think it was a porsche dealership i don't remember and we walk in and the guy goes oh hey chuck how you doing and i'm like <laughs> in oh florida. there's a bad sign <laughs> not welcome here so it, it, we've been in every dealership i think in the midwest over the last 25 yeah. years and yes i mean he's he's bought as many things as he's turned down but he's a constant shopper of of, of anything motorized is probably his biggest yeah thing that he's always on the hunt for yeah but but you know all joking aside that's something that uh that that's who he is and mm-hmm. that's Served him well over his lifetime. Yep. So he's a, a a project builder, a negotiator. Yep. I mean, that is uh, that fits him. Definitely well. a personality trait. So we'll bring him on and ask him a little bit more about business and hopefully some things you can take away uh, to to certainly help you continue to have a good year. If you've uh, if your year is behind a little, that's totally understandable, and uh, give you some tips to maybe finish the second half strong. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, for joining us here on the first season, and I'm certainly looking forward to season oh, number Nate, two. This is your final send off. This I'm is it. Giving eh? up your chair, and this is yeah, it. Yeah, this is uh, kind of tear. emotional. <laughs> All right, well, we'll bring on Chuck here. All right, thank you.
All right. Well, we've got our guest in here, Mr. Chuck Lucius. Chuck, how are you today? You know, uh, I think I'm pretty good, but one never knows in today's time, do they? Did you know that this is the season finale show of The Bull, the Bear, and My Brother's Chair? I did. (laughs) I did. I did. Good. Well, we, uh, me and Nate, before you got in here, we'll end with, uh, We'll talk about what we talked about. We gave him a little behind the scenes of some personal attributes that you have. Okay. So we'll discuss the good uh, ones or the bad ones. <laughs> Only the good ones. Okay. But uh, what we wanted to talk about today was, you know, we had uh, uh, talked about the whole show that we've had this year has been on business owners and uh, both personally and professionally of how people can help give outside perspectives. Now, Obviously, you're in the financial services business. Obviously, a lot of our listeners are in the financial services business. We have a lot that aren't. So just sticking to kind of a real business of value is Mm -hmm. what we want to topic of the show today. And, you know, we're coming off of our 15th year anniversary here at Gradient, right? right? And so you and Tammy started this thing 15 years ago. Talk a little bit about your previous life before you decided to start your own business. Well, I had, uh, uh, going way back. Yeah, sure. You know, I'm originally from Moorhead, Minnesota, which is a small town right next to Fargo, North Dakota, uh, only child. And, uh, my dad, uh, that I, as I found out later had, uh, only completed eighth grade and my mother was a high school graduate. Uh, my mother's family were, uh, immigrants from, uh, Norway that they, uh, grandma and grandpa actually, and, uh, four, four children, uh, came over on a sailing ship and they spoke Norwegian in the home. And of course my mother spoke fluent Norwegian, but then she also spoke English. My dad was from, uh, Northeast Minneapolis, which was a, uh, Catholic church on every corner. <laughs> Uh, but one was the Polish Catholic, which didn't mix with the German Catholic, which didn't mix with the Ukrainian Catholic. But, uh, so, so anyhow, that's, that's my background. So when I was brought up in, uh, uh, Moorhead, the only colleges that were available were a, a college called Concordia college, private school. Only the rich went there. Oh yeah. We were not in that category. <laughs> <clears throat> then the other one was what was called Moorhead State Teachers College, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be a teacher. And the other one was North Dakota State in Fargo, which was engineering and, and that. Well, when I was there, I majored in engineering for a period of time, uh, and, and uh, I was on the dean's list, but it was not the dean's list. <laughs> that was the top one, the bottom one. Uh, but I had the good fortune uh, of... Uh, of uh, being enrolled in uh, ROTC, mm-hmm. and it was mandatory then. It was uh, during the Vietnam War, and uh, it was land-grant college, so you had to either be an Army or Air Force ROTC for two years. So I took Air Force ROTC, and lo and behold, uh, between my uh, sophomore and junior year, I took uh, an exam to, to go into pilot training. Mm-hmm and uh, uh, be a pilot in the Air Force, and I did well on it, and uh, so it, it sort of changed my life. I changed majors to psychology, uh, graduated in the four years, and went from the bottom dean's list to the top dean's <laughs> list, believe it or not, uh, f- flunking out with 12 credits uh, uh, per quarter and taking 23 so I could graduate <laughs> on time. Went to pilot training, and uh, 
flew T-37s and T-38s there and then uh, C-130s in the Air Force. So mm-hmm. uh, that was a, a, a real uh, life-changing experience, the, the pilot training, and then being a command pilot and uh, flying a, a larger airplane that had crews with older people and and all of that. So when I got out of the Air Force in 1975, uh, I was a captain and I joined Prudential Insurance Company. Mm-hmm. And there I started in the management development agency, which was in Newark, New Jersey. And that was right after the riots. Well, that was a nice place back then. <laughs> uh, except those riots were really uh, big scale riots. Mm-hmm. The, the Newark riot was uh, darn near burnt down all, the whole city. So mm-hmm. that was a, a, a pretty pretty rough deal for, the, for uh, that period of time when I was there afterwards. And... Uh, from there, I went to Detroit for three years and then to Minneapolis. Uh, so I have a, a pretty good background in the insurance business and investment business. I'm a CLU, Chartered Life Underwriter, Chartered Financial Consultant. Uh, I have my uh, CFP designation. All of these I don't use anymore, by the way, but I have them. Uh, I have a master's in financial sciences, and I've been a 7 and a 24 and all of these things mm-hmm. in various positions. And uh, Prudential Insurance Company, the uh, senior t- estate planning specialist, uh, director of advanced marketing of an 11-state area, and then uh, manager, co-manager. I had a partner in the agency that I was in. And uh, so that uh, uh, that was in Minneapolis and, and – uh, so it went went uh, went well, and you did you did well with them because I remember you know growing up your agency would rank in the top five usually two mm-hmm. one in the country right and those types of things and you worked for a big company there mm-hmm. you worked for another big company after that what mm-hmm. and you you'd always done well mm-hmm. what made you take the leap from the comfort of a big company good money that you're making right. to the comfortable, Starting. the comfortable making it to retirement making type it situation. To retirement. Yep, you had a, yeah. a downsizing, well, and you'd have been it, there. They can be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they it. called it a downsizing, but you can call it whatever you want. But basically, <laughs> they they can you right. Uh huh. And so that was uh, that was kind of the end of uh, end of uh, Prudential. Yeah. And then uh, later on in the second large company that I was in, I was uh, pretty much canned there or downsized or what, whatever you want to call it. Sure. But you mm-hmm. had a enough of a what I would call a nest egg, which is a term we use right. here, to probably sail off into the sunset, find another job. But instead, you pushed the chips and moved to a garage on an abandoned Air Force base and started a new business. Right. What... What what were some of the things that you, I mean, and you were what, 55 at that age? 57, I believe. 57. Mm-hmm. So you start this new business and what was your, what was your vision or what did you want to create at that time? Uh, well, I think really, honestly, I would have been satisfied to retire at that point in time. I had a, a pretty good nest egg built. But uh, Tammy, uh, uh, my lovely wife, felt a little differently about it and uh, she wanted to get started another business so uh, in a like business, knew that we were in pretty good shape. And she had worked with me for uh, many years at that point in time. And mm-hmm. so she knew the business also. So we said, okay, let's go. So <laughs> here we go. <clears throat> here we go. So uh, I had roughly about uh, uh, two, two, two and a half million dollars at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And we bet the whole 
the whole wad on it. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, much to my surprise, when we started to build this business, we had about a dozen people that came with us from the old company. So I had a lot of skilled people. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely amazed that they, they uh, in today's time, now had the foresight. <laughs> but had, uh, at that <laughs> point time in time, I thought they the needed their head examined uh, <laughs> because they were leaving a good, secure job uh, uh, at our practice company and uh, came over uh, with us in a brand new company out of a, a garage. Right. And uh, the good news is, is I knew how to run the business and I knew a lot about the business. I knew a lot about uh, uh, the com- the companies and the companies knew me. Mm-hmm. And it was a true test to see how much they liked us or <clears throat> not or how, how much they liked me at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And they liked me a lot, it uh, turned out. And so we had a couple of the companies that uh, gave us loans. So not only did I throw all of my money in, or our money, I should say, Tammy's and mine. <laughs> but we borrowed also, into. <laughs> but we, but we, we, we went into Hawk for about another million bucks and, and started dumping the whole thing in. Uh, but we, we pretty much knew what we wanted to do, and we knew the business, and we got the contracts with the companies, and away we went. Mm-hmm. Now it was a little bit tough because. Uh, uh, we had a lawsuit going with the, uh, uh, they had a lawsuit going with us. We didn't necessarily have it with them, but of, uh, uh, from, from the practice company. Sure. And so that was uh, used against us by all the different marketing organizations. Why would you want to go with them? They won't make it anyway. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, we did have, uh, a few agents that, uh, came with us, but it was, you could count them on two hands yeah. that it wasn't, it wasn't very many, but, uh, we never lost sight of that. Uh, the, the first lesson in business and that is, is recruiting, uh, in that particular business is the key prospecting is the general, uh, term. And that's, that's a basic rule in every business in, in my mind. If you want to have a real business, you cannot lose track of how you're going to gain your next customer. Mm-hmm. And that is something that people do wrong uh, uh, all the time. Agreed. Uh, I'll yeah. give you an example quickly. Is that let's let's take a person who's been putting up fences for all of their life, and they know how to put up fences really good, just like I knew the insurance business really good. So they go into the fence business, and they think they're in the fence business. Mm-hmm. So they concentrate on it. They work uh, putting up fences. But who do they put them up for? That's the question. That's the question. <laughs> yeah, so they can put up the best fence in the country. They can put up the best financial plan in our particular case or whatever like it happens to be. Or whatever but it who is. are you going to do it for? And so if you don't have the prospecting, the leader of a business has to be the best marketing person in particular at the beginning and you cannot get talked out of prospecting as the key. Now let's talk about, you mentioned that as one of the rules and that's one of the things that, that, you know, obviously you're my dad, obviously you're my boss, but you've certainly Mm -hmm. been a mentor to Mm -hmm. us, a lot of people in the building, a lot of people that listen to this So you've heard this part of it before. I've heard that one, but I want to, I want to go through a couple that you've, that you've Mm -hmm. taught us over time. And, you know, as we as mm-hmm. we look back 15 years ago, sitting in that garage on an abandoned Air Force mm-hmm. base, we sit here 
in a 60,000 square foot building. We've just bought another 20,000 square foot building. We have 200 and I don't know, 60 employees or whatever it is. It's gotten very big. And I don't say mm-hmm. that to, to brag, but to say you've done something right mm-hmm. to take it from the garage to here. True. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I wanted to go through, I've got five things written down that I hear come out of your mouth often and have you expand a little bit on mm-hmm. this. And number one, you touched a little on it, but it was pick your vision and stick to it. Right. So talk <clears throat> a little bit about that. Well, uh, if the vision, if you're going on a trip and, and your vision is to go to New York, you don't ever want to change your mind on that. When you set out, uh, in a particular direction, be it annuities or the financial services business or a trip, you pick your destination and you don't get talked out of it. And you check all the time to see if you're in route to that same destination. So when we started out, we started out in the annuity business. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got our contracts in the annuity business. And, and uh, so we already knew that part of it, the product portion of it, how mm-hmm. to put up fences, if you will. Mm-hmm. But prospecting mm-hmm. is what you have to drive forward. And so uh, of the five or six people that we had on the phones, including myself, uh, it was prospecting. We needed new people, new, new customers, which are, which were called agents at that point in time. Without those, you don't have a business and they don't multiply themselves. You have to multiply them. You have to get good new customers all Mm -hmm. the time. And so we focused on that and lo and behold, uh, we were pretty successful at it. Even, uh, we had, uh, uh, a good story. We had, it was more than a story. We had a, a fairly decent uh, individual reputation, mm-hmm. uh, which really kind of, nobody really cared too much about that because uh, they don't know you and you're asking people to change, change from one place to another. Sure, like any business. Yeah, like any business <clears throat> or any uh, anytime that you're asking people to do. So what you're doing is, is that when you're prospecting, you're convincing people that your vision mm-hmm. and your way of doing things is the best way to do what, what we're, what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And in order to multiply yourself, you have to get, tell other people your vision and you have to tell it to them constantly at the beginning. And then you have to put them on the spot to have them tell you that vision back again, mm-hmm. because they can't understand it academically. They have to understand it emotionally and they have to be able to verbalize it or you can't multiply yourself. So consequently, uh, that's where I reaffirmed my belief in role play, <laughs> uh, which is I've another that. one that'll be probably on your <laughs> it's list not, later but it should be. is lo- uh, role play and practice on these things is not a request. It is a demand. Mm-hmm. It's you got to practice the stuff and people think that academically understanding things is enough. And I'm telling you, it is not, Mm -hmm. you have to practice. So if you have a staff, they have to be able to repeat your vision, uh, as good or better than what you do. And when you listen to them on the phone and you start hearing yourself talk, now you're going somewhere because now you got 
not you just on the deck, but you got five hands on the deck or 10 hands on the deck and you have the multiplier effect going. Now let's talk about that. Cause that is my number two is you'll often say you're only one person and you'll see businesses grow to five or 10 people and then they just stay there. What, mm-hmm. what do you mean by you're only one person? Why didn't you just start this business on your own and just, well, I did yourself. Uh, but I'm not very good at it. So, uh, I, I know from my previous experiences is, is if you're, if you're one person, you're going to have, you're going to have one person's business, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the business I was looking for. Uh, I was looking for a business that was a true business and to do, uh, uh, have a business, you have to have repetitive activity mm-hmm. and you have to have others that can accomplish the activity. So, as you get going and you get the vision going, you get people then not in the create mode, but in the edit mode, and they will improve your vision and color it all in. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you get people that are really good at administration and you get people that are really good at recruiting and people that are really good there. They specialize in certain <clears throat> things. They have better skill sets than I would have as a generalist. And so we let them keep moving with their skill set and refine, edit that particular piece of it. And pretty soon you start to put together a business and it's done. Some people would call it delegation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people would call it trust in others. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they end up being able to do certain parts of it better than what I could do. Sure. Which wasn't very hard, as I told I told uh, told you at the beginning, and uh, uh, of course Tammy was very good in the human resources, and she's very good at reading people, people. and mm-hmm. several several aspects, and so she was uh, uh, you know a huge part of the successes that we had early. But that's also I, I don't know if I delegated to her; she delegated to me. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Uh, but but uh, in, in my in my home, it's usually she's delegating to okay, me. Okay, yeah, right, right. <laughs> so so anyway, uh, uh, we uh, we specialized our way into it, and uh, so that is a a very good thing uh, to have happen. So that was in the annuity business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the vision I had was not just the annuity business. It was really the financial services business. The financial services business has many pieces to it. And if it were an engine, it would have, uh, the way I would view it as many cylinders. Mm -hmm. So they, the RIA side of it and the investment side of it was always a part that I thought was missing uh, in the licensure and the service to the public and the consumer. Mm-hmm. So that was a part that we started fairly early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, that, that brings up, uh, I guess another point. I don't know where you are in, in your numerics here, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, diversification, diversification is a good thing, but you don't, drop one and go to the other, mm-hmm. you keep the one rolling and you start the other. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the first one firmed up because you can't, if you're standing on a firm rock, you don't want to 
take your whole body and jump over to what would normally be, uh, looks like a firm rock, but it could be a slippery rock. Right. It's nice to tap on it a little bit, but keep one foot Put on a little the firm rock. On yeah, 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 yep, yep, yep. So anyhow, uh, so we started our diversification and, and that gives you this balanced attack so that you can survive things like the COVID virus sure. and all of the rainy days that come up in business 2008 mm-hmm. well heck we started in in 2008 <laughs> you know, i mean we started in when did we start 2005 we started, we started five, investment business in uh, yeah but we did mm-hmm. virtually nothing in 2005 2006 a little bit mm-hmm. uh we have all of the records from everything that we've ever done oh, yeah. so we go back and we look at our 2005 and <laughs> and uh it was uh uh, it was amazing, but we, we, we made it. Yep. And one of the, the third one is, and this kind of goes along with what you're talking about mm-hmm. is you're a, a firm believer in reinvesting in the business where I would imagine at some point along the way from garage to where we sit today, you would have been financially stable or the, the work, the people, there's too many people or how, whatever stops people from mm-hmm. growing, how important is reinvesting in your business? Well, it's critical because if you take your, if you pull your money out too soon and uh, uh, spend it on things that are not your business, your business is what is your annuity. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to create the stream of income. And so you have to postpone uh uh, the riches of the day, if you will, that brand new fancy car and that brand new fancy house. We lived in very basic house, uh, very, you know, drove, uh, well, we had the cars, so they were, uh, uh, there, but, uh, we just, uh, we just kept, uh, hiring and training and working on the business and didn't take anything out. And then I had those loans as I, as you recall, while mm-hmm. we paid, we paid those back, uh, one, we paid back in, in about a year and a half because I didn't, I, I, I respected the company so much that uh, gave us the loan uh, that I didn't want to default or do anything badly, so we paid them back almost first. So mm-hmm. um, before we, certainly before we paid ourselves, we didn't take a salary. We didn't have any money to take a salary, mm-hmm. which is another thing. People start businesses and they want to pay themselves this huge salary because now they own the business. Right. You don't make any money. How are you going to do that? <laughs> you know, you got to have profits first before you pay. Mm-hmm. So it, it's always, uh, it's always interesting when I watch people do, do things and they're not, you got to thinking for the long term stuff with the chickens at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Punch your ticket, it's, so to speak. It's not too fancy at the beginning. No, it's not in that, you know, you started this uh, number four on my list here was, I've heard this a thousand times. If there's no problem, you can't prospect your way out of. Mm-hmm. And I would say that now more than ever, that is probably a true statement to many of the listeners with what's going on. But mm-hmm. go back to that prospecting. I mean, we have right now so many good clients of ours that mm-hmm. you could. Clients say, that now are financial services professionals yeah, our in your own terminology. Clients, you, yeah. could, you, you technically, do you really need more? Well, uh, let me just ask you this. Do any of the, uh, of the financial services professionals get younger as the time goes on? <laughs> I haven't found one yet. Uh, did they get, did they get more well than they are right now? Uh, I'm not getting younger or more well. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and do they keep the same desire 
as they had when they were younger or as they get older do they uh <laughs> their focus lose change? a little bit of enthusiasm yeah, I, and I think, interest i think we all probably do yeah okay so uh so uh, let me just give you a quick saying here there's two things that make money people at work and money at work mm-hmm. and people are going to get too sick to work too old to work or too dead to work it's <laughs> a matter okay? of fact that's a matter of fact it just is mm-hmm. so if you don't keep adding new people to the whether it's a staff uh, on your uh, in your company or sales professionals, and you don't work to grow, uh, the business is built uh, on a down escalator, <laughs> and you have to work at a you have to walk at a certain speed uh, to stay at least even. And you better be walking pretty fast if you want to get up to the top of a down escalator. Right. And I don't know if that analogy, is that analogy clear? It does. It, the other way you've said it that way, you've also say there's no such thing as maintaining. You can't do it. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible. If you stop, stand, and don't do anything and live on your past laurels, you will end up at a, in a heap at the bottom of the escalator. It's a down escalator. It's not an up. So there's nothing automatic about success and about maintaining it. It's uh, just like right now uh, in the transition where you and Nate have uh, taken over the business and and I'm more of a spectator than I am uh, or a consultant or Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, (laughs) but I'm not in the day-to-day functions. Mm -hmm. So I attended a meeting with you guys today on social media. Mm -hmm. There's nothing really new in it, but the medium for transmitting the information is new. Mm -hmm. Uh, It used to be a newspaper or a direct mail letter or a telephone call or a cold Mm -hmm. call or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now there's just different methodologies, but the messaging is virtually the same. Concept is Uh, the same. The concept is the same. The medium for getting it out is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And you guys understand those mediums, Mm -hmm. but I noticed that you have other people who are actually experts in those mediums. (laughs) We do. Right. You found out our secret too. Who are briefing you on how you do it. Uh And then you have the questions. Mm -hmm. So you see, you have them in the edit mode. Mm -hmm. uh, And you now know enough about it. So if you don't have these people around and haven't expanded yourself, you're limited to what you can know and understand. Which isn't all that much. Which isn't all that much. (laughs) No. You can understand in general, you know, uh, but, but not. Not very Detailed. deeply, yeah. Agreed. And prospecting is certainly one that people mm-hmm. obviously, you know, top of mind right now. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that success doesn't come easy, which brings me to number five is I'm I'm sure, and I've been a part of it, along the way, you have setbacks, you have issues. It's not, this wasn't just a clean run right through, I wish it mm-hmm. was, but you say, when in doubt, stick to it. Yeah, yeah. Quitters never it. win and winners never quit. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a real scientific statement. Uh, there's a nice book written on it's called Grit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you either have it or you don't. Uh, we had the speaker. Who was that uh, speaker that we had at the meeting? The guy from Florida, <clears throat> the football coach? Uh, that was, uh, uh, he was Bobby a, Bowden. Oh, yeah, Bobby Bowden. Mm-hmm. Okay. His, his topic was you don't have it. Mm-hmm. He saw the most beautiful people play. They could jump higher, run faster, look better. Right. They were just gorgeous in practice, 
but when you got them out to play, they didn't have it. Sure. Okay, so now I'm not sure what it is, but it is, is I'm going to get it done. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you attack a project to do, and you don't let the project beat you, you beat it. Right. Okay, it's, uh, it's learned in sports sometimes. It's learned in, uh, can you imagine a guy who's flying an airplane and you have an emergency and the guy doesn't have it? Right. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. That would be a good You take a good that situation and you dig in, mm-hmm. okay, and you solve it because your butt is on the line. Mm-hmm. You will lead the charge to the crash. Right. Okay, if you're up in the, if you're the pilot, mm-hmm. you know. So the passengers are on your ship, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that you have to save you to save them. Yeah, and they're dealing with all the little it, things oh, of the day back there. Oh, people are the passengers, when, when like the, the peanut gallery. Uh, the proverbial well, shit hits the fan, it's I, yeah. the captain. I wonder what we should do. Should <laughs> we, uh, and everybody, if you took a vote and had an opinion from everybody in there, mm-hmm. You, you'd be buried in the dirt before you did anything. <laughs> so that's where you learn to have a vision. Mm-hmm. In the case of that is, is where I'm going to save myself. <laughs> okay. And you also have a lot of memorization and a lot of uh, expertise. Mm-hmm. Experience. And, and experience. And, and you execute on it and you don't give it a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. You do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as an example, in the Air Force, when we learned how to fly in an emergency, the red light comes on, the fire light comes on. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing you do? Never forget Panic. it. Huh? Panic. Nope. <laughs> first thing you do is wind the clock. Okay. And that's a way of saying is, is don't do anything until you collect your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And you'll wind it for about a tenth of a second or a second. Mm-hmm. And that'll be when everything kicks in. And you don't just reach up and grab a handle, mm-hmm. and then you start going through your procedures, and they come one right after the other because mm-hmm. you're drilled and rehearsed on it. Well, that's the way our business was too. I had been drilled and rehearsed for 25 years right. on the financial services business. So when we hit a rough spot uh, or a spot that was uh, had an obstacle, uh, all we did was dig in harder. Mm-hmm. Did we change our vision? Never. No, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You have, if you're going to New York, you're going to New York. Right. Okay. And you can't let people talk you out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so if you have a good, strong vision, you get other people. The job is, is you mount people up on your vision and you drive it forward mm-hmm. and then you let them edit. Okay. Not create, they, they will believe they're creating new visions. Sure. But it's the details of the trip. And people are better editors than creators anyway, <laughs> generally speaking. Um, about 100% of people <laughs> generally are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yep, 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 yep. So anyway, that's uh, that was the key. So we had a vision, and our vision was to be in the financial services business, which dictated us to be in the investment side of it also, mm-hmm. which, dict- which ended up with uh, the RIA registrar, different versions of the investment business, the life insurance business, augmenting the annuity business. So we've got about seven or eight cylinders that all work together, Mm -hmm. software that ties it together because it gets complicated for people to follow. Mm -hmm. And then case central, which has people tie it together also. Mm -hmm. So it, it stays pretty, pretty tied together and and pretty tight, but always needs editing and refinement. Mm Mm-hmm and always needs new people coming in. 
That doesn't mean you abandon your old people. No. But but what happens with uh, people as they age? Too old, too sick, too dead. Too sick to work, too old to work, too dead to work. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and uh, or, or they simply just lose interest. Yeah, they get of course. The, the other, Natural. the other one really is a choice is grass is greener. Of course. They take mm-hmm. the grass is greener. In any business. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you have, you have attrition automatically, you know, you'll have 20 or 30% attrition, usually about 20% attrition. The old 80, 20 rule went, went in doubt. Take that one out. <laughs> uh, the 80, 20 rule, but you have attrition, uh, happening all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's your down escalator. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got to be going up at at least 20% uh, just to stay <laughs> to even. Maintain. You didn't, you didn't climb to the top. You well. just didn't sink. You didn't end up as a heap in the bottom. Yeah. So, so kind of that's, that's, uh, that's the business part of it. Good. Well, we'll, we'll wrap that part there. Okay. And certainly, you know, there's a lot of financial service professionals that, that know you that listen. Um, there's a lot of other businesses. So, you know, mm-hmm. keep in mind, this is applicable to any business out there. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. But I wanted to end on Nate and I were filling some of the people. And like I said, on some personal characteristics. Uh-huh. One that was, you're a pilot. And I talked about how yeah. I hate little small airplanes. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> scarred from my youth still. Uh-huh. The other was on your, you're a shopper and a searcher of projects. We said that when you were buying something, we gave them your, we gave them a little buyer's tip that when they offer, say the price you say. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. Seems high. Yep. Seems high. So other people's stuff's worth way too much or they think it's worth way too much. And then your stuff is worth way more than they think it is. Yes. And we talked about when you offer on something, sometimes you'll lowball it low yeah. enough where you're not hoping to get it, but if you might, it's a good buy. Uh-huh. What is something that you've offered on the person accepted and you unbeknownst to you ended up with that. Uh, there's only one thing. Usually when I offer on it, I don't offer unless I intend to back right. it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, uh, I had wanted uh, to buy a T28, which is an old trainer. It's a radial engine trainer, mm-hmm. uh, airplane. And it was, uh, they're huge. <laughs> they're big. They're a big single engine airplane. And they're old, right? And they're old, <laughs> old 1950, 48, whatever. And so I found one and it was, uh, uh, up in North Dakota and it was in an air museum. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think they were asking 69 or 79,000 for it. So that gives you a, a little, <laughs> a little bit of a idea of how, how, uh, the shape of these things sure. and what they are. The price and, of a car. Huh? <laughs> the price of a car. <laughs> uh, the price of a car. I offered 50 for it. And I had thought about it for a long time. So anyway, uh, I didn't think they'd take it. So they their board met and they decided they'd take it. And so they said, uh, we'll, we'll accept we'll go, your offer. We'll accept, we'll accept your offer. And I, I thought, oh my gosh. And then I'm thinking, does this thing fly or not? <laughs> they couldn't really tell me, and uh, you know. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have another hundred in this thing before <laughs> it. And at that point in time, fifty was a finish price, not a beginning price <laughs> right. on it. And uh, uh, that one I backed out, and I feel guilty about that uh, now. Uh, 
it's probably uh, still sitting there if you want it. No, no, it, <laughs> it, it, no, uh, it sold. It sold, uh, and, and it was probably a really good buy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 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 that one was is if you're going to have you know another saying, if you will, uh, if you're going to have an alligator mouth. Uh, you better have, uh, uh, you can't have a hummingbird, butt. you better have an alligator butt to back it up. I was, uh, I was in the hummingbird category on that one. Back down. Yeah. No. Right. But, but other things I've never, I, I don't recall anything. I don't recall any other than that, that where I've really offered on it. Now your most recent one, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about what was your most recent purchase that you feel you got a good deal on and now have acquired. Well, I don't have a question on it. I got a good deal on it. And that's, uh, I bought a, I've always wanted a motor home, yes. but I didn't want to buy a new one where you stink, a, stick a bunch of money in it. So I bought a 2003, uh, bounder. It's yeah. a diesel. And as Brian said, I bought the one that I looked at 17 years ago. That's why we actually said that. <clears throat> yep, uh, and, yep, and and uh, and and you did that without any spurring. Yep, that's the one that we looked at 17 it years ago. Is. I've looked at these things for 30 years, so I bought it, and uh, uh, you know, I, it, it's in pretty good shape. It only had 24,000 miles on it. Cosmetically, it was uh, had icky carpeting and stuff like that in it, but that's you know not a, not a big deal. Uh, so anyhow, we started taking the carpeting and that out and I, I was driving it. And so I drove it and the thing hadn't been driven for quite some time. Strange. The guy bought a motorhome and didn't drive it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I <laughs> can't believe unique. that. So anyhow, uh, I was driving it and all of a sudden this check engine light came on, which is generally not a super sign, but it would go out. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh-huh. So I thought, well, it's got a Freightliner chassis. I better take it into Freightliner. So I took it into Freightliner and, uh, to have it all mechanically checked out. It seemed like the air brakes weren't working just exactly mm. the way they should. Weird. So they, they fixed this stuff, but the, the turbocharger had frozen up on it. That has a turbo. Oh yeah. Well you, you have to, because this is a race one. Oh, no. is, yeah. yeah. Oh, this thing will go up near 65 in, in a, in, in a half, in a half an hour. Uh, so anyhow, and then I, I, uh, put a banks, uh, uh, chip kit on it that raised the horsepower up because this bounder is a price point coach when it was, uh, purchased. So they don't have huge motors in them. Mm -hmm. So it had 300 horse on it, uh, which is not that much for a big one. So this brought it up to 385, a little more power. So a new turbocharger. So, so my, my, uh, uh, $26,500 motor coach. Uh, uh, goes to uh, another $12,000 worth. Okay. Uh, half the price of what I paid for it to get a new turbocharger. And I'm sure you'll, you've noticed it when you walk it's up beautiful, to it. Right? Beautiful yes. turbocharger. So I got that. So I got that in and then we've been working on the cosmetic stuff and the buffing and all of that and a few adjustments on it. So I've had it for about three months, but I haven't really been able to use it because of the remodeling and putting a a, a tile floor in it that's a vinyl tile floor oh. just kind of dressing it up uh, a little bit so you have but it'll respect be, when you pull into the rv park well cosmetically it'll <laughs> fit nicely in in a dated uh, one but inside inside i that's have where a, it really shows. i have an electric fireplace I've in it and that. a raise up tv set and a new set of theater chairs and things so I've got a $50,000, $25,000 motorhome now. <laughs> That's good. You didn't want to buy uh-huh. a new one and pour I a bunch of money into it. I didn't want to buy a new one. No, I'll be in, but it'll be, 
so Custom. one of the things one of the things that I like is taking these older things or uh, businesses mm-hmm. and building them. Once they're built, uh, whether it can be a house, it can be a building, it can be a motorhome, it can be a cabin, it can be anything. Uh, but I like the I like the build mm-hmm. portion of it. And when they get set up and you're in the maintenance portion of it, mm-hmm. what I've found is is you can you can bring maintenance people in. There's a lots of people that like the maintenance part of it and they're very, very good at it. Uh, and they'll still grow it and I uh, you know I still grow it, keep mm-hmm. the vision of it. But uh, um, uh, I like the build part. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. That's been my whole life. I just uh, I like to see things come. To life. You know, back to life and mm-hmm. or back from the flames. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's just uh, I think it's I think it's just fun and amazing to watch to to see people who are carpenters and and uh, sheet metal people and uh, do things uh, that uh, I mean, it would take me years to do it. And they do it in an hour mm-hmm. because they've done it before and they have this expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. They're also, the, many of them work by themselves. They don't multiply themselves because they never want to take the time to train somebody else. Mm-hmm. So they're sole workers. Mm-hmm. and uh, They don't and, follow the very same things right. we just talked about. And, and, and the challenge that I've always seen in that is, is that's great when you're a young man or, or woman, but if you multiply yourself, because one day I'm going to get too sick to work, too old to work, or too dead to work, mm-hmm. and if I don't have others around, how uh, did I really have a business, or did I just have a, a job? Owned your own job. Right. Yeah, I own my own job. Good. So, so that's that's me. Good. For others, though, that uh, uh, some people like not managing people and not mm-hmm. having other people around. And I respect them too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of our financial services professionals that just don't want other people around. They sure. don't want to supervise other people. They don't want to train them. They don't want to take the chance of losing them. So all they have to understand is is that they have uh, have to put some hay in the barn when they're younger because they too will get too sick to work, too old to work, or too dead to work. And there's only two things that make money. And what were they again? People at work and money at work. Exactly correct. <laughs> if you're not and people so at work, you better have money at work. If you're not a people at work, you better have money at work. <laughs> yeah. So if you're one of those folks, and, and I understand it completely, start putting some hay in the barn because one day you won't be a people at work. Right. Uh-huh. Yep. Very good. So so anyhow, that's my that's my advice uh, to people is, is uh, you don't have to take the course of action that I've taken uh, where you have uh, 250 or 300 people that work with you mm-hmm. uh, and where you have to keep growing to, to you know, feed the, feed the fire, if mm-hmm. you will, on it. But it's been, it's been good for me, and it follows that my, my likes, uh, my loves, my passion, if you will, of mm-hmm. building. It feels like I'm building, and what I love to see now is uh, my my two two boys? It would be Brian and Nate, and uh, and maybe you know Chaz and Cruz at a, at a younger date. Right now they're building an <laughs> NHL career, uh, but uh, um, we'll we'll see what happens along the way. But yeah. but I, I just uh, that's another project. 
uh, that I love to watch the building. Mm-hmm. I like to see them do good. I like to see people, the the other people that are do in well. the business, the Chads and the Nickies, and I don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah. But I like to see them grow and and uh, have the opportunity uh, to grow the business. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I've never uh, done anything where I do it solely to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's not at the top of my list. In mm-hmm. fact, it's really not even on my it's list. It's a byproduct of it it's all. It's a byproduct of things. If you do the right thing and you try to get people to help them to grow and develop, the, it seems to come back tenfold. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it doesn't always feel that way, I suppose, when mm-hmm. I do it from their side <laughs> of it. But it, it's really done for, uh, it's, it's done for them and with them, not. I, it, sometimes it might feel like, in, in with my personality, I'm doing it to. I'm doing something <laughs> to people. Possible, but it's not. Yeah, and it's uh, something that I've learned to live with. Right, <laughs> you're okay but, with it. But really, uh, yeah. The good news is, is I'm not going to can you. I'm going to just keep grinding <laughs> on you until you come around. I've, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Very so, good. All right. All right well, so anyhow, we'll that's my hey, story. We appreciate and I'm you uh, being the guest on the season finale. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And tune in next season. So uh-huh. thank you for coming on. Thank everybody for listening. And uh, we'll see you in a few months. Well, you're so welcome. You have a great day. Thanks.